Hello and welcome to Sitcom Geeks. I'm James Carey. I'm Dave Cohen. And this is a wonderfully special episode because we get to talk to a comedian who has been gracing our TV screens for a few years, gracing our radios for even longer, and gracing the stage for even longer than that. He is comedian Milton Jones. Hello, Milton. Hello, how are you? And I'm very excited also that Dave is here because actually I know... Milton quite well having we've I think we've worked out that this is our ninth series we're about to write together for the radio so I don't have any distance on being able to ask you questions but Dave does ninth radio ninth radio series yeah so I won't be saying so um how was your journey today or what what did you have for breakfast I I I have very curious lots of Mm. uh, questions ask me about the people I work with (laughs) (laughs) it's it's interesting because I think you kind of started stand-up almost Probably almost literally the, the day that I gave up, or probably not quite right. exactly that. I heard there was a gap. Yes, <laughs> yes that's right. The day yeah. that I gave up, as in you saw Milton and just thought, yeah. well, that's it. That's it. Or the de- this yeah. art form is dead yeah. to me. I can't yeah. quite work out. That's it. I give up. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so you have been, you, 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 we, we talked uh, recently about how, you know, people think, see someone wins an award uh, and they think oh that person that's uh, they're an overnight success but so that that's kind of about 25 years ago I think so is that roughly Mm. when you started Uh, out yes if not more I would say the first paid gig I had to get dig was in 1990 so that is even that's 29 years ago Wow! Mm. Oh, blind. Oh, yeah, yeah. What gig was that? Tell, tell us about that first okay. gig. Okay, uh, the first gig I was paid for was a place in Baker Street called Drummond's. Oh yes, it yes, was yes. run by a bloke called Ken Ellis. I think. Yes, yes, I remember Ken. Ken yes. was a weird sort of prankster guy. Who, yes, he uh, he was there when I started at Weekending in 1983. Oh, really? He used to go on the tube and uh, start sort of washing his hair and shampooing his hair on the tube, um, and uh, that was about as funny as he got i think <laughs> okay it was, it was, so it was that was a, sort of performance art yes for the public yeah wow that's the sort of art you can't charge for isn't it that's right yeah and that's a shame. Uh, you know no, nothing comes of it yeah. except for like the next uh, that that night you go home you say oh i saw something funny on the tube <laughs> bloke was trying to suddenly started washing his hair yeah. um yeah. That, that um, feels like a punchline to a joke of "sorry, I'm washing my hair," but I don't quite know what the setup <laughs> yes, is. Yes, Listeners quite. could possibly email us with the setup to that joke. No, but so, tell us more about this gig, Milton. Okay, so uh, it was in Baker Street. I think I got paid thirty quid. Yeah, which wasn't bad for the first gig I ever did. It yeah. could have been a lot less uh, for twenty minutes. And uh, all I remember about Ken is he had very clean hair. <laughs> um, he was a he was a pioneer actually. I yes. shouldn't diss him. Yeah. So he was definitely he was a one off. Uh, well, you're, you're slightly different generations of comedy in the sense of so 1990. This is almost like the second generation of comedy mm, clubs. Yeah, Dave was there at the start of the Comedy Store and that kind of thing. When well, I was I was I was the second generation. Okay, well Milton's now the third. You and Harry were sort yeah, of, yeah. Sort of that next the next generation after Lee. Yes, so there was there was a proliferation of comedy clubs. Uh, there were becoming more and more comedy mm. clubs, but I, there, there were places that were like do you remember the Earth Exchange Ooh, and yeah. places like that with sort of vegetarian door split <laughs> of a gig yeah. and did you get paid in lentils afterwards yeah, that was a lentil split okay. yes quite <laughs> uh, there were, there were, and the Meccano Club and there were far that seemed to have more of a political heritage mm. than some of the, the newer clubs I don't think Jonglers did exist did it oh yeah very much so I mean, Jonglers was kind of changing uh, around that time because in the way that that area was uh, yeah. changing because it was when I, I, I used to play jonglers a lot in the mid 80s and it was still uh, a very much a mixture of uh, like working class and, and middle class and mm. it was in that period that the the middle class people came in and it went from being a kind of really kind of uh, cross-section show of uh, which there weren't that many in the sort of sta- in our stand-up world it then became very much the sort of uh, hooray, mm. hooray's sort of gig. Yeah, so it was Battersea, wasn't it? That That's was the right. main yeah. anchor mm. place, and then Camden opened later and Ding so on. Balls. So, yeah. but this yeah. first gig, you know, you yeah. you got twenty minutes together, and yeah. getting twenty minutes together takes a little bit of a while, especially mm. if they're all jokes. So presumably you've yes. been going for a few years before then. Um, I had bits and pieces, and with all of us, you know, I guess we did bits in university, bits in sketchy stuff, uh, churches and uh, charity events, and. I didn't have the same style in the sense I did have jokes, mm. but it was a bit more rambly and I certainly didn't have the look. Right. I hadn't really worked it out at that point. So yeah. Sometimes it really worked because the audience bought the world. 
Yeah. Um, but it wasn't as defined as it became. Yeah. Um, how did you discover that character or persona? Trial and error, because I knew there were certain times that I failed. But I, just by messing around with my appearance, I found the weirder you looked, the more time you got at the beginning for people to go, oh, what's this? Right. And also, as I say, bringing... I think all if it works, you think of all the good comedians there are, they drag you into a world. And the, the quicker you can tell people about the world or, or signpost it, mm. uh, the quicker they'll get on board. And it was just a case of messing around with that. And it began to click. And then you get known as not even Milton Jones, but the guy who does the hair thing. Yeah. Right. Or whatever, the, the shirt guy. Yeah. It was jumpers originally. Actually. You were jumpers, and yeah. then was it a conscious decision when you were starting to do mock the week? You just thought, "I'm going to wear Hawaiian shirts." Too hot to do jumpers, <laughs> really? basically, because yeah. under yeah. lights, it's, it's, it's yeah. awful. Yeah. So uh, and shirts, there was, there was more versatility in it, and I'd been around all the jumper shops, and uh, they saw you coming. Literally, <laughs> yeah. they saw me coming. So uh, I, I messed about with Hawaiian shirts and things, but those shirts they need to be. The sort of shirts, not generic stag night Hawaiian yeah. shirts. They're not actually Hawaiian, are they? I was just having, no. I was sort of looking uh, just, through my just, wardrobe. Just, I, I was actually, <laughs> yeah. yeah, yes, while you were here working with James. Ah. Um, but uh, I, I, I noticed because the, 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 your classic Hawaiian shirt usually has sort of a band playing or something. Yeah. But they're actually, they're, they're just sort of Patterned. garish, aren't yes, they? Yes, yeah, well, it needs yeah. to be, that looks quite. <laughs> just yeah. something just a little bit off about it that you wouldn't yeah. really wear. So the but people who make those shirts know that? Quite nicely now, people actually send me them <laughs> or make them. I've had companies say, can you use this? Tom so, Jones used to get underpants. <laughs> you get shirts. Yes. So you, you, yes. You've chosen the right, you've chosen well there, I well, think. Well, who knows? I'm getting, I've got about between 60 and 70 shirts now right. of that genre. And uh, I try and do a new one. If I'm on telly, I try and wear a new one. Um, but Try out some new material. Yeah. Literally, <laughs> literally, yes, absolutely. <laughs> uh, but I feel like I should move on. It, I, I, I need to work out what is the next thing that people yeah. don't quite wear. Yeah. But immediately, <laughs> well, what's interesting, though, is you, you identified fairly early on that that initial impression that you make mm-hmm. is really, really key. And yeah. you are creating a context for the jokes. Yeah. And did you, because you went to, you studied drama, didn't you? I did drama at what was Middlesex Poly right. then, as did quite a few other comics. That would comics. have been a legendary time of Middlesex Poly, yeah. in the late uh, 80s. Not at the bit I was at. <laughs> in the, the drama, dr- though, I thought there was a... Yes, yeah. well, there was, except I wasn't doing drama at uh, Trent uh, uh, cam- uh, Campus, uh, yeah, uh, right. as Hugh Thomas was, right. and... Uh, I think Johnny Vegas did at one point, yeah. and Joanne Wright. There were a look and yeah. mimey people as well. And mm. I was at a tiny branch called Ivy House, which was like two or three hundred people doing a diploma in dramatic art, oh, and okay. it was a mixture of academic and classical work. But what was great about it is they had sections where you could write your own stuff and do your own show, mm. which is what I did for two years almost. Yeah, and that's what got me going. Yeah, did you know first. you wanted to do that when you started? Uh, to do my own thing. Yeah, as in when you signed up for that course, did you think this one gives me freedom to basically write no, out? Or was it like- no, I thought I, I didn't get into RADA and the other places. <laughs> right. Uh, so this one allowed me to do, do, do drama. And even at that time, I wasn't really sure, you know, we had to get an equity card and stuff like yeah, that in those yeah. days. So right. I was thinking, how can I get an equity card? Mm. Oh, well, maybe the circuit thing could help with that. Mm. But then it sort of became its own thing and equity got smashed anyway. Yeah. Um, but I was managing to get yeah. gigs on the circuit, which actually... And then I started... Well, me and my wife started having babies at that point. Yeah. So mm. to be away touring something with kids theatre, it wasn't something I wanted to do. Whereas gigs one off in London, great, yeah. if I could get it. So, um, yeah. But it, it took a long time. In terms of the award thing, that didn't come to 1996. Yeah. So uh, the newcomer, the new, the newcomer, newcomer award. Yeah. Yes. There's a picture of you on a tiny bicycle or something. Yes, isn't there? I think that's the year after. That was Joyrider. Okay, right. The um, the because I was nominated as it was right. for the Perrier thing at that point, and awards are useful, I think. But most of all, it gave me confidence that someone, at least someone else, thought I was going in the right direction. Yeah. A group of four people, a group at, of four at minimum. People, yes, yeah. yes. Yeah. Now. 
Well, it's more, but it is more than that, isn't it? Because you, you, um, what what happens is somebody comes and sees the show, and you you, you see your little list is oh Perrier judging. Oh, I had a Perrier judge, and then there are three Perrier judges. Yes. And you think, oh, oh uh, hang on. And then, and then there the are seventy five. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think someone's worked at a loophole in the yeah. booking system. Yes. But, yeah. You know, that really, it really, one of the reasons why. I mean, it is such an amazing thing to win is, mm. is because you know when for, for the performer knowing that they're going out there and that, that their audience a is triple what yeah. it was the day before but b that's almost entirely down to there's going to be a lot of very po-faced people who've watched 25 shows already that day yeah, yeah. so it's a kind of doubly hard yeah. to kind of yeah. persuade them right i've been told to come to this show because somebody else mm. wants to shortlist it yeah yes impress yes, me yes. now i know i know so, you know that is a that's a a, a great sort of thing but I, that again that also that time and, and and it was a relatively new thing and harry hill was starting mm. at the same time it was the first time you got a sense that people were trying out a persona yep. rather than just sort of walking off the street as our mm. i suppose that's the difference between my generation mm. and, and then the next sure. generation because sure. harry hill also had you know he had a very distinctive look. Yeah. look that he he had before he you know by his own admission mm. before he had the act yeah he had the mm. uh the, the the suit that was the lexi sale sort of not quite yeah yeah not big enough and then the big collar well it feels like there's a pendulum swing there as well because at the very start of the of the comedy store years you you also you had variety type acts and you had mm. grotesque sort of stuff oh yeah and then it the was, pendulum sort of swing cabaret, yeah cabaret, really. and then the pendulum swings and you then get the likes of people like jack d or whoever mm. who are creating a pers- I mean, it is. It isn't really a persona. It's a believable persona, mm, yeah. whether or what he's like in real life or not, notwithstanding. And then it's like, yeah. and then you have the pub landlord, and you have Harry Hill, and you have Milton yeah, yeah. Jones, yeah. And then it sort of swings back to, you know, Frank Skinner and all those kind of. You know mm. what I mean? It just feels like there's always that, and now it's kind of room for everyone, I guess, isn't there? Well, I guess at that time the two uh, circles of the Venn diagram were intersecting. And almost, if you think about Harry uh, Hill's look. Mm. It, there was a there was a bit of Eric Morecambe about the look, and there was yeah. a bit, but he was using all his own jokes, which was the key thing. That was always the battle, wasn't it? That right. um, yeah. that the old mainstream guys were using everyone's jokes. Yeah, they were just it's a way I tell them, basically, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. And but the alternative comedy thing was doing away with all that. But then we had the next step, which wasn't political at all. I mean, Harry certainly wasn't in any way. Mm. Um, but it was it was new as well. Yeah. And it, the whole thing was evolving until eventually the alternative got dropped as well. And it's mm. now we are the mainstream. So, so like, like me, you grew up watching those, uh, watching the comedians. Yes. And, yes. and thinking, hmm, I like comedy, but is, it, is this is this what <laughs> yeah. I have to do to do yeah, comedy? Yeah. Is that, were you always that, that Oh, absolutely. Anyone with a cummerbund. Yeah. Well, <laughs> right. Slightly off-putting in terms of, uh, it's just the whole culture of the thing, mm. isn't it? It felt very... Uh, clubby in a bad way, very mm. smoky and sort of. I wouldn't have articulated it as such, but it was very male in every yeah. way. It was yeah. blokey, yeah, you know, uh, and not really daft either. There were very few daft yeah. comedians well, Tom, on that. Tommy Cooper was, the yeah, one, my, my yes, hero. absolutely. Um, mm. And Jimmy Cricket maybe a bit. Yeah. But so you're watching the comedians and thinking not that. Yeah, that but not that. Okay. So rather than being in sitcoms or something like because we we. What, I was far more interested in sitcoms. Um, I mean, the biggest thing that came along was Blackadder in a way. Eventually, this was a bit afterwards. Mm. Thinking, ah, oh, that thing, that thing. I want to be one of those guys yeah. who's doing. Were you that. always Baldrick or Percy though, presumably? Uh, um, no, I was. I was Blackadder in my head. Oh really? Yeah, yeah. Okay. No, thinking yeah. I could always, be. We, we always have this. Image yeah. of what we yeah. Yeah. No, I could be the total idiot and boss people around as well. But he's got a meanness to him that, that yes. just isn't okay. <laughs> so, yeah, to some degree. Yeah. Um, I always and also with the host- historical thing as well. Right. Okay. Sort of a context that I could relate to, um, but otherwise in sitcoms, it um, Leonard Roster in uh, Reggie Perrin yeah. and uh, some American bits. I always like Bilko actually. Strangely, yeah, that mm-hmm. was just so fast talking. So and then yeah. you got the joke. Oh, 20 yeah, seconds yeah. afterwards. Right. And Doberman and all of yeah. Anyway. Um, but you were Phil Silvers and not Doberman. Absolutely. In your head. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, absolutely. You, potentially, I think, you you know, you are 
the missing link really between what what the the uh, the, the, the actor the comic actor that we you know we talked about mm. this before James and I about the you know the the, the 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 kind of people who were great sitcom stars in the seventies and eighties like. Um, Leonard Ross, Leonard Ross uh, Ronnie yeah. Barker, David yeah, James, yeah, yeah, Ronnie yeah. Barker, and now, whereas now more, more and more sitcoms are writer performer led, but mm. I think I mean I just just come to your radio show, which I'm a, a big fan of, and I've listened to a, a lot of, and there's something about that radio show that is yes, it's Milton doing his mm. one-liners and his puns and things, but but there's always a there's always a story running through mm. there's a which uh as over the years i've come mm. to suspect yes. maybe the hand of yes. mr carey well, might be a little bit involved i think there. after a while um in in this business mm. when I say that you know what you're good at and you know what other people need to help you with mm. and i know that i'm good at uh, small detail mm. right and people like james can do small detail as well but particularly nah. good at having an engine to do big picture stuff yeah yeah it's much easier to get get the engine running and then just do bounce the jokes off it yeah and and you've got in an, any working relationship you've got to get mm. past the point of going there nah, yes no you yeah. know i like that idea and can we develop this more and and so it's not personal we'll just get or just on. flat out deleting jokes and never referring to them again <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's absolutely. quite a popular method yeah. and i've learned just to go yeah. okay he doesn't yeah. want to say oh, that a blank page i've got <laughs> back yes so uh, uh, one thing that, that that's sort of interested me about this is a couple couple of uh small a- anecdotal stories but they kind of had set but set me thinking that a couple of years ago i was driving with uh, my but my kids are totally cynical about me and comedy they just <laughs> they just sneer at it all yeah, all right, the okay, time yeah. and they good, good. despite and the fact yeah. that their dad is the guy yeah. who's written virtually every single horrible history song well yeah. you know. it's just like yeah but he's our dad so yeah. he's yeah, yeah, exactly yeah, 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 yeah exactly yeah. and that's uh, so that that's uh, and I get that, and but occasionally, you know, I was driving my son and his mates to uh, Scouts, and it was a six thirty on a Tuesday evening or something, and so I had the radio on in the car, and you know, I'm always just listening to comedy and stuff on the radio, and, they're, and they're just no, no, nobody takes notice. But it was you know, your show, and you know, they, they, I, I heard them go from. Yabba yabba yabba! So, so, so slowly picking up on a line and laughing and, and mm. picking up and things and, and and I just thought, God, you know, Milton has this quality that no one else certainly I've not managed. It. And then to, just today, and I was I was there's a advert for a squirrel on the tube. My other son, I, I mentioned the the joke you do about. Uh, that red squirrels, oh yeah, yeah. and grey squirrel. I mean, yeah. you can. What's the joke? Uh, so I haven't done it for a while. Um, they say red squirrels are becoming extinct. But I think they just they just get older and turn into grey squirrels, <laughs> something like that. Yeah, well, so, yeah, yeah. It's that's the gist and, bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, if, and you know, I, I know, I, and I told that to my son just this morning, and and he laughed. And again, mm. he's not, you know, he doesn't oh. normally laugh at my mm. jokes or other jokes. And it did just strike me that I thought, well, how come you are not on kids' TV? Mm. Um, you're not, and you're you're not a a kids' TV star. I think that the. If what I do works, it's a it's a bit mercurial in the sense that um, some adults don't get it. Yeah, right. And or if they do, it's only eventually. It reminds <laughs> me of your best heckle that you've ever had. Oh yes, well I've got two best heckles. Okay, and one was, "What is this?" <laughs> Which is it's kind of too philosophical. To ask, like, how long have I got? And the other thing was, uh, these are just words. <laughs> so, uh, oh, yeah, got me. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. And there's no put down for that, no, is there? Because no, no, that would be just words yeah. too. Yeah, yeah. 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 Unless you could punch them or something. Yeah, That's right. yeah. yeah so, um, so I leave some people cold and that's absolutely fine because, I mean, another argument is the better you are, the more stronger flavour you have. And therefore, some people aren't going to like it. Uh, but the people who do tend to like it tend to really like it. Mm. And um, some kids, for some reason, can tune into it. Um, and they tend to be quite, is it the word emo-ish? Um, in, the, in the sense that it's not mainstream kids. It's like uh, kids who are, list- well, I guess kids who like words, yeah. probably. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, um, yeah. Rather yeah. than noise or excitement or yeah. other things, yeah, it's actually, yeah, 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 yeah. But no, it's, yeah. but it's, yeah, there is a sensibility to it, isn't there? I think so, and yeah. uh, I'm quite lucky, therefore, that when I have an audience, because I've done radio for, as we know, the listeners' average ages, well, 
69 or something. Yeah. But because of Mock the Week and things like that, uh, I get teenagers as well. So therefore, grandparents and teenagers will come to a show together in a family group, uh, which makes for a really motley collection, yeah. but actually quite a joyful, pantomime feel, yeah. which I really like. Yeah. And, you know, it's not unusual for an 11-year-old to stick their hand up and ask a question halfway through a show. (laughs) To me, that's brilliant. Yeah, yeah. That That makes it interesting, yeah. Yeah, it makes it interesting. And also, it's not a heckle. It's not a drunk trying to mess with stuff. It's just, you forgot, what what happened to that bit of the show? And and suddenly you're taken to somewhere else and that's the bit that everyone remembers Mm. if it goes well, etc. So, um, yeah, kids seem to tune in and... People can never quite decide if it's very clever or very stupid. Yeah. <laughs> and I like to think it's both and neither. Yeah. yeah. You know, that, that we there are some really obvious jokes that you can hear coming. Yeah. yeah. Really hear coming, and mm. that's part of, hopefully, why they work. And then there are other ones that would even... People who've said they've listened to something several times, go, yeah. I suddenly got that thing <laughs> yeah. that you did. And uh, I'm not quite sure if they're pleased or angry. <laughs> yeah. But uh, and also, uh, when I do stand up, you know, the people will be laughing in all the wrong places only because they're working behind schedule, or right. someone's just explained it to them. Right. Maybe even me. Yeah. You know, right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so th- that's quite nice. But I'm just, uh, I suppose, what I'm saying it is a uh, a thing that some people really like. Yeah. And it's not necessarily defined by age. Which yeah. is great. I guess that means that you've really had to, at various points, stick to your guns because you've had to, you, you've made a choice, and there have been times from that from in between that, actually between the time when you first went on stage, and actually through the point where you got your money for your first gig, mm. up to the point where you won an award, there was an element of just like there must have been times of doubt where you just think, is this just, am I wasting my, is this yeah, just, yeah, no, is this just words? Yeah, no, <laughs> what is no, this? That was me heckling myself. Heckling yourself, yes. yeah, yeah. Absolutely. And, and uh, how do you keep going in that situation? Um, Other than not being very good at anything else. I know yes, the answer to this. Yeah. <laughs> you stop. <laughs> in some cases. Yeah. Yes. Um, case. Well, you can only uh, ask that fundamental question mm. so many times. You don't want to be doing that every week. Yeah. Uh, so every few years, perhaps you ask it. And maybe you ask your wife or you ask the people you're close yeah. to. And and also after that point, you have to make sense of the years that have been to yeah. some extent. You think, well, I'm not actually qualified for anything else at this point. And what if my big break, et cetera, is just around the corner? Yeah. Or, you know, all that kind of thing that goes around in your head if you're self-employed and involved in showbiz at all. I like to think that my faith to some degree, well, no, to an absolute degree is underneath mm. it. In that if I... In the, I'm in the right place with my faith, mm. uh, being a Christian, just mm. Mm. to spell that out. Um, my job isn't who I am. Yeah. And that there's something bigger and better that ultimately I'm, I'm trying to head myself towards as a priority rather than and that my job. Yeah. You know, I, I've got to let go of it to some degree. That doesn't mean I would never change or, yeah. mm. um, or feel I, get career envy because you just think, hang on, how did he get this? Yeah. That must well, be yeah, no, the, that, the green eyed monster is pretty big. I think it? we all wrestle with that yeah. Yeah. to some degree. I was, that, yeah. sorry, um, I was talking to Hugh Dennis not so long ago. Someone asked him what his ambition was, and he said not to end up bitter. A lot of the people he knows, doesn't matter how successful they are in showbiz, you like have their own TV series or yeah. been in films and stuff, a lot of them have ended up going, I should have got this other gig. Mm. Yeah. You know, the one that got away. Um, there was that Royal Variety performance and yeah. they were going to get me and then they got this person. Yeah, and, then... and the pilot I made that never got whatever it yeah. is. It's such an easy thing to fall into, actually, Not no matter your level of success so far, that you end up looking at your glass one-tenth empty. <laughs> yeah instead of all the good things. Yeah. So I often think of that and think, no, be thankful for what you've had. Yeah. You made a pilot of that. You know, <laughs> a lot of scripts yeah. don't even get that far or whatever it is. Well, that's just it. I mean, I guess we could look at dig into that a bit because I, I, I know from... I, we've, we've never worked on a TV pilot, I don't think, because you tend to work with Dan Evans, who's been on this podcast relatively recently. I've been in the not quite front row of watching you try to get a TV oh. script away and I think when you made uh, House of Rooms, yep. I think for Channel 4, that was an occasion where at least you just thought, I actually want to make this show. 
whereas there are times when you get talked into doing a show that you don't even want to do. Um, what, how's that? What have you learned through your TV experience of people going, hey, we'd love you to go, you know, because to me, and I'm sure to Dave too, bearing in mind what we've already said, why there isn't a Milton Jones show on, on BBC One at 6.30 on a Saturday night makes no sense to me at all. Um, and yet, you know, it yeah. makes even less sense to you. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, th- there are all sorts of things at play in that, uh, you know, it's easy to assume that all TV people are stupid from yeah. my, my point of view, yeah. um, which isn't quite the case because TV is not the same as standing up in front of a load of people for yeah. an hour with a microphone. It is a different medium. Mm-hmm. So therefore you assume that they might know what they're doing to begin with. Yeah. And, and also they're operating on a whole load of parameters that you don't know about. Yeah, yeah, uh, pressure from above to do mm. all sorts of things. And it wasn't so when I started this, but actually I'm exactly the wrong demographic for a number of things mm. at the moment, you know, in diversity terms, which is all fine because I know why things are changing and that's all good, but I am who I am. And uh, there are all sorts of politics that you don't know about. Mm. So how do you how do you use that to kind of respond rightly to the notes on the script and to the oh we thought it would be better if the script show was more yeah. this or that? I mean, how do you how do you wrestle well, with that? Uh, d- just before I answer that, uh, the whole experience of trying to get stuff on telly was a bit like um, I use the analogy of trying to get into a nightclub. And you say, can I come in? And they say, hmm, only if you put on this silly hat and these stupid shoes. And you go, but do I have to do that? Yeah, you have to do that. So you put them on and then, they, and then you say, can I come in? And they go, no. <laughs> and you go, but you made me put on the shoes. Yeah, but that's yeah. why you're not coming Actually, in. Actually, the hat looks pretty silly on you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. And you'll be quite embarrassing yeah. if you go, what? But yeah. did, I, now, that person over there, yeah. they put on the hat and the silly shoes. That's the look we want in, yeah. our, in our nightclub. Exactly, exactly. So you feel slightly sullied by the whole yeah, thing because you, you compromised yeah. on certain maybe yeah. dramatic things or changed a line or two or, or even a casting or two. And you didn't end up with what you wanted, but you did what they told you and they didn't commission it. Yeah. And so you just go, oh, I wash my hands of the whole thing. Yeah. So you become disillusioned with the gatekeepers. Yeah. And therefore, you know that it takes two years or whatever it does to work up a script like that and think, I'm not doing that again. Yeah. Because as far as I'm concerned, at least the, the basis on which you refused it wasn't even logical. Mm. I, right. The House of Rooms thing that we did eight, eight years ago. Right. Really? Yeah. <laughs> I had a tweet the other week about saying, have you got a series for that? <laughs> and it's like, regularly, oh I'm stopped, stopped in the street. Um, and now, they may have been entirely correct for Channel 4 at that point. I don't know. Yeah. But it, it's just difficult to work up the energy again to have something you're proud of in order to find out that there's some other agenda somewhere else. Yeah. But it is their TV station. Yeah, it's absolutely. not mine. So, yeah. you know, yeah. it, it is up to them. But, but you just think, oh, I'll go on another tour, actually, because yeah. at least I'm in control of that. Yeah, they can't cancel that. Yeah. yeah. And also the politics involved, I remember one of the things was, and you've probably come across it yourselves, in terms of, oh, we want this guy and this girl because they're really funny. They, I go, oh, that's not a Channel 4 face. Yeah. No, but they're the funny people. They will do the best job. Yeah, yeah. No, we've got this other person. Or oh, the thing at the moment I know is um, people off Strictly or reality yeah. TV, they want to make a guest appearance in your sitcom. You go, but I don't think they can act. Yeah. Or, but they will be a name that so? people will watch. <laughs> yeah, they, yeah. Because it's all about ratings and, yeah. and stuff like that. Yeah, but they'll probably ruin it. Mm. Yeah, that's not the point. Yes, it's like you've 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 drawn attention to something that you probably don't want to draw attention to. Yeah. The fact that they can't act. Yes, but you've got the rating, so the number works and ticks that box. Yeah, and then it will get cancelled because they couldn't act. Yeah, <laughs> so, so yeah. that is the hat yeah. and the shoes. Yeah, yes, that's right. Yeah. So that that is entirely frustrating because you become part of a a whole system that you can't. You end up having to pick your battles, mm. which may not even be win- winnable. Yes. Yes, you may discover that the, the war was lost before you even started the battle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that, that is um, what, what, what's interesting to me, though, when you were talking there about how you know you you did what they said because you weren't necessarily confident enough in your own judgment, and and it is very difficult because, as you say, they've been making TV shows. That's what they do. That's yeah. their job. Mm. You have stood in front of an audience mm. and made them laugh which is a which is a different thing mm. and and I, and I do remember 
my time as a stand-up, a lot of talking the, the, the bitterness, a lot of the people watching comedy on TV and saying, oh, they've never had to do Midnight at the Comedy Store. Well, mm. No, because that that that's that that is a different thing, and you know those TV execs that they, they might be right, and I suppose it's a kind of for them it's a kind mm. of numbers game, isn't it? They're making ten mm. pilots that yep. year, and there's only so much, you know, there's there's mm. there's only so many that where they where it does come together. Like, like mm. you're saying, yeah, you know, the reason that it didn't happen might be absolutely yeah. nothing to do yep. with yeah. your show. And, you and the head of comedy has basically decided, right, I've got this show which is Milton Jones, I've got the show that is Kevin Bridges, and I can use all of my political capital and flipping up of table to get one of these off the ground. Yep. And mm-hmm. I've picked the Kevin Bridges one because yep. he's young and he's Scottish and he's yep. very funny. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> as opposed to Milton's age and also very funny. Yeah. You know I mean, it's just like I sure. literally had to pick one yeah, yeah. that I went all in on and even that didn't get off. Yeah. So it's like then the bad guy, A, no one thinks they're the bad guy. The bad guys don't think they're the bad guys. No. And often they're not the bad guys. No. But the only bit of advice I sort of give now is essentially don't you know, pick your battles, but make sure they're your battles and die, don't die in someone else's war. Yeah. <laughs> so offer the show that you want to do. Mm-hmm. And if they don't want to do it, that's fine. But yeah. the worst thing is to offer a show they turn down and it's not even a show that you yeah, yeah, want exactly. to do. Because then it's hard to even get angry because you're slightly relieved yeah. at the same time. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It didn't go out, yes. But was it, maybe even been you said it, James, was, uh, you know, when you first start watching things on telly, um, and there's something bad on. You think, how did that get commissioned? Yeah. Mm. But now these days we look at and see something good, and we think, how did that get commissioned? <laughs> yeah, yes, that's right. That's a real outlier. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. there are so many yeah. things that can go wrong, and they just mm. sort of ruin the whole thing. But I'd like to 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 counter that now, and to think about a show like Mock the Week, which uh, when it first was started, and I was I was writing a little bit on it, but it it seemed to me. Uh, at that time, and that, if someone had said, uh, "Oh, who who do you think would be good? Who who who's the sort of comedian you think would do it?" and you know, absolutely no disrespect to you, I would not have said Milton Jones because I think, well, he's got. A, a, I love his style. It's funny. It's gentle. But you just have to be almost sort of brutal in those shows, don't you? The way you have to kind of jump in and interrupt, and and so that's a sort of there's a kind of left field thing that's that's worked in your favour in some sense. I, I think, you know, Milton Jones on, on Mock the Week. Mm, yeah. how, how did that happen? Um, well, I was dubious as well when they asked me in that uh, I'd seen exactly what you say, mm. fairly testosterone-filled show. Yeah. And, and this is back to the comedians you were watching when you were little. Just yeah, thinking, very, very much so, if not more yeah. testosterone. Yeah, you know, yeah. It was big and it was all blokey at that point. Mm. And, uh, and my wife came to see the first episode, and that's what she said. So much testosterone in the room. Yeah. What's going on? Mm. Um, but I, my friend Stuart Francis had done uh, a few of them, and he'd done fine. Actually, he does one line as a Canadian mm. guy, you know, well known. And uh, he'd done fine. And uh, I remember the first episode I did, David Mitchell was on the other team. And I did a sort of rant, the sort of rant that David Mitchell might do which didn't work at all. And I suddenly clocked at the time thinking, just do what you're good at. Don't try and be someone else. In a way, you've been booked to do your thing. So I just did my thing, and mm. some of the lines were relevant and some of them weren't. <laughs> but apparently the editor quite likes that because you go, you know, one, two, three, four, pheasant yeah. for me, then yeah. we can edit to the next thing now. Yeah. Uh, so... It began to, I think it softened things. The weird thing was I was down to do an episode with Frankie Boyle and he was ill like two hours before the show. And that was the last time he never did Mock the Week. That was it. So I was never on the same show as Frankie. And Frankie's really good at what he does. Mm. And I think um, we're at opposite ends of the mm. you know spectrum, really. And I'm not sure how well that would have worked, you know, whether it would have been difficult. He is a sort of one-line merchant in... Yeah. Uh, you know, you and he are both one-line merchants. Yeah. There the similarity ends, but mm. maybe there is something about that, that that's... Yeah. You, know, you you, you mm. do the same... You probably you possibly have the same rhythms, maybe, yeah. uh, of in terms of how often you get a laugh from an audience. Mm. So, yes, maybe that that's, a, that's an interesting thought. Sort of became more daft in a way to... 
just to play into the the I hid under the desk for a week and, and not the whole week, but you know, just messed about a bit and it tried to bring some silliness yeah. to the thing and and everyone uh, was pretty grateful. Well, <laughs> weren't they? It worked certainly in the show. I mean, still, when I record an episode now, most of what I say is but, uh, uh, just trying to get yeah. a word in because it's seven people trying to get through a door for two the whole time, yeah. which. You know, when you get older, you think, do we have, do we really, aren't we all adults? Do we yeah, have to yeah. do this? Mm. <laughs> I remember once, well, early, quite early on, I remember seeing you fairly soon after, after watching the edit go out, watching the final version and just go, I spent the whole time thinking, for goodness sake, Milton, say something. Mm. And then remembering that you did. Yeah. yeah. But you record for two and a half hours and we watch 28 minutes. And Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. obviously it's misleading in one sense, but uh, also I always do the stand up round. Yeah, which puts me eight or nine jokes ahead of other people in terms of the share. Right. Yeah. Which means I don't always get as much say in the other other rounds because other people have got to speak, which is fine. Having said that, I'm eternally grateful to the whole show for effectively me putting a poster through everyone's door. Yeah. Know, in terms of TV. <laughs> so yeah. If you like not, yeah. that stuff, then go and yeah. see them at your Not local just everyone, theater. but yeah. people who probably buy tickets mm. to go and see comedians live in theatres. Yeah. Mm. Um, but yeah, but the effect that that show has on on any comedian really, once they're on it two or three times, that's quite a big bump, isn't it? Yeah, no, it is, and also, I mean, I think for the people who enjoy it, it's quite good having a variety of comedians on. Because do mm. you really want to see one of those for half an hour? Maybe not. Mm. But if you see them interact and do three or four or five minutes of their own stuff, that's yeah, get the idea of that. Move on. Yeah, you know, it's it it's uh, and if you really really like them, go and see them on tour. But yeah. do you really want half an hour of one of those? Probably not. Well, enough do, clearly. Yeah. 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 You've kind of progressed from the uh, the, the, the the circuit into mm. the, the smaller theatres and then the bigger theatres. So now so now you are, uh, I presume, I don't know if you go out with a support act or something, mm. but it's, it's basically the audience is there just to see you. Does that bring any changes? Any sort of, obviously, it's... Sort of, great pleasure mm. for for a performer to have that mm. but does it does it bring other kind of uh, issues for the for the for the warm-up guy it does right <laughs> well yes he's just thinking what the hell kind of appeal has this guy got <laughs> yes is it and also although i'm not i'm not particularly strict a lot of them have to alter their act to, let's call it family friendly yeah. Um, Because they've got a gran and their teenage yeah, grandson yeah, yeah. and they, they're fine about that obviously yeah. but it, it just it takes a bit of negotiation sometimes to work out what is actually offensive in yeah. my eyes. I mean, it sounds like I'm very censorious. I don't think I am, but you know, they need to be accessible to 12 year old old yeah, kids, yeah. basically. So I remember seeing you um, when you were on at one tour at the Apollo as the last gig of the tour and your mm. support act was James Acaster. Oh yes. Who is sort of an, in one sense, an absolutely ideal warm up guy mm. for you because he's so, I mean, he looks like a geography teacher mm. and he's got this extraordinary sort of style. But people who are used to M Milton's innocence were mm. watching this and just thinking, what's this guy doing? <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It was, it was a really interesting yeah, experience because yeah. yeah. I wasn't only enjoying what he was doing, I was right. watching people watching him just thinking, <laughs> what is this? Yeah, this yeah, is yeah, just yeah. words. Yeah. Yes, yeah, no, it was quite interesting. Uh, and I think I've heard James talk about touring with me and that he felt like he should be going towards jokes. It didn't help him, I think, in terms of his yeah, style yeah. because he felt like, you know, people wanted something he couldn't or didn't want to give them. Yeah. Um, and Nish Kumar was my next support act after that. So it's like... Wow. Um, Goodness. This reminds me of the 70s when I my favourite band was Alberto Illustrios Paranoias. And first time I saw them, the support act was Blondie. And the next <laughs> time I saw them, the support act was The Police. So, wow. Yeah. yeah. So, no, no disrespect to you. No, girls, no, no. They? I'm sure yeah, I'll be the... comedy yeah. superstars. Yeah. They, 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 they learnt... Their trade yes. supporting yeah. Milton. So the fact that yeah. that loads of people have come to see you, yeah, right, puts well. Yeah. In, if if you do the offstage announcement and people laugh at the offstage announcement, oh, this this is going to be great. Yeah, <laughs> you like that? Yeah, <laughs> um, I've even started. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, what is difficult is I've had to triple my output of writing. You know, my live. So I've had to every two years have a new hour and a half which is a lot of gear. Mm. Now, fortunately, I've got 20 years of backstory, you know, <laughs> which I can plunder from bits and pieces. And But even then, you know, I, 
it's still a lot of words because also the form is so dense. Yeah. You know, that you I end up writing between 250 and 300 jokes for a show, never mind how you get them there, um, which means you write 100 more that you discard. Mm. So it's just... And yeah, and there are another 300 that don't even make it off the page in terms of just like, oh, is yeah. that anything? Yeah, yeah. Or, or even actually the other thing I've noticed that you that you do when we're doing jokes is it, there's a joke that just feels like a joke you've done before. It isn't. Mm. The words are all different, but it just is like, yeah, it's the same joke. Yeah, uh, yeah it's so that much. fine line between keeping yourself interested as well. You're artistically, you know, that's not art to a high degree, but... You've got to look forward to doing it, especially if you're doing like a hundred shows or something. Yeah. You don't want the bit where aren't we doing that old corker? You want to, you know, look forward to this bit and be able to let it grow on stage over mm. the year. Gary, so, yes, Gary Delaney has his, his, his spreadsheets, doesn't mm. he, of his uh, jokes, and he has a. It's very mathematical. He's got yeah. A, B, C, and D yeah. level, and, uh, and the D levels rarely make it. The C ones, he can he, he keeps trying and keeps tweaking doesn't go yeah. and then the bees and then finally they get well we should, we should so in, let's talk about that kind of rate of attrition yep. that you've got i mean because if you're putting together a show that is essentially an hour and a half you know how where where do you start i remember seeing you know, the last probably the, the only time i've seen you i was doing i i was trying again as a stand-up i went and do a, a new material night and you were on and i noticed and you you, you had cards really didn't yeah. you? each each joke was a card and it was added a bit of fun for the audience mm. as well was like mm. okay here's a joke i'm trying to do yeah rip that one up yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. throw it away and that gets a laugh yeah so yes um but is that is that is is that you do a lot of new material nights yeah i have yeah. to um it's the only way you know i mean you write the funniest joke in the world until you face real people and then you realize that it's not the funniest but the thing you improvise off the back of it works mm. but so you'd never have got to point b without rubbish point a so you know it's a yeah. evolving organic thing even though the construction of one line is, is quite mathematical it's about rhythm it's about well to me it's like putting a cartoon in someone's head that has a an ending they're not expecting mm. and that can be verbal that can be visual that can be bathos it can you know it can be all sorts of things Another thing I, I don't do is throw stuff away just because it doesn't work. That doesn't mean I've put it in the bin and I don't... So many of what I've done on this tour, joke-wise, is stuff I've had for 10, 15 years, mm. just knocking about in a file and suddenly come fresh to it, twisted it around, oh, that's the setup, not the punchline. Yeah. You know, and you, suddenly it works. Or even just the adrenaline of being in front of a crowd your head works it out. It's it's encouraging in a way, isn't it? Because I think you you've you've basically been writing jokes for thirty years, and what to the outsider people might think just go well. How could you not know? <laughs> and so yeah. there are you know, and there are jokes that you must do on stage at a tryout gig, and the audience is just like what what's that? Yeah, yeah. And they're like, conf it's confusing that the guy who came up with your original yeah, yeah. peanut woofer joke. Sure. The red bag of revels joke or whatever it is. Yeah. With this, uh, that's not a joke. Yeah, yeah. Um. And then it's, but obviously your filter gets slightly better. But actually, it's amazing. Mm. And I guess the skill of experience is just knowing that experience doesn't actually get you as far as you might think it does. Maybe. Yes, and also you can't. I mean, there, there are one or two well-known TV acts will turn up to a new material night with auto cues. Right. And yes, that's not really what it's about. It's about surfing the crowd that's there. And I think the experience of being in front of a crowd a lot means that you second guess the thump of the bat of the audience bad reaction. Right. So you build in an instinct. Yeah. That and that you so, so many times I get to a club, I look at what I've written, I think that's not going to work with these people. Yeah. It's because I've looked at them and looked at that and go, nah, yeah. not doing that. Or I've crossed a word out, twisted it around, and I've tried it. Yeah, it, this might have a chance. Yeah, yeah not yeah. this, but uh, maybe, yeah. But again, it's the adrenaline of the moment. And yeah. Unless I face that, and it's always a pain to go and face real people for no money. Yeah. But that's the thing that, that really hones it down, and it's not 100%. If I do 12 jokes, 
to a new crowd that I've never done before, I'm very happy if two of them work. Wow. So another four of those go back to the drawing board. Yeah. And I'll try again. And the rest probably end up in the E, low D file. (laughs) Yeah. Um, that, that I'll come back to again at some point, but for the time being, because there was, there was a, because yeah, because it, it's like there was a spark there, wasn't it? The yeah. original thought came yeah, yeah, from yeah. somewhere, yeah. And so you just want anything is better than a blank sheet of paper as Absolutely, well, isn't it? Absolutely, yeah. Mm. And also some of the ones that've been the most successful, and by that I mean they don't really follow a formula. Mm. Could have been the worst as well, as far as I was concerned at that point. Yeah, and go. I'm just going to throw this in. Yeah, and whoa. That bullseye yeah bullseye and that was a really risky one yeah to i try. didn't care so much about it mm. that i oversold it maybe. yeah maybe oh, yes that kind of thing. possibility yeah um but i guess we're all the same in that the, the stuff we write mm. that is least like the stuff we've done before that works there those are the exciting things yeah you say oh i, I can still create this stuff yeah. Which is great. Right. Okay, one one other thing I noticed with the, the live show as well, and uh, I watched your uh, bits of your most recent uh, live show, and you have this uh, the, the character, the, the grandfather character. So is that is that a kind of way forward? For um, you, actually, think? the yeah. grandfather character um, would have been from 2013, I think. Oh, is it really? Oh, yeah. So what right. tends to happen with a tour show is I come on and do 15 minutes at the top of the show has been a character i've been my grandfather twice an explorer um what was our last time oh i dressed up i got a map of great britain okay and i had a little head in the um in the peak district <laughs> peaking out obviously and uh, did a load of geographical jokes really but i was great britain this time i think i'm going to do a thing with road signs i'm going to come out dressed as napoleon i think and say uh, I wanted to speak to you before I got changed, and you know, and then do some stuff about no phones and no, and take it further and further and further. So uh, I did fifteen, then a support act, twenty five minutes. So that's the first half. So it's forty, forty five minutes, mm. and then I do an hour and ten, maybe in the second. Right. So um, the second half will be a story, self contained, ish, um, but the fifteen minutes at the top are a character or. Um, some kind of conceptual thing that's only 15 minutes long. I mean, part of that is to break up one-liners. Yeah. Um, And usually my support act is something like James, something different stylistically. Mm. Um, And the other thing is, I think it's quite nice for a support act to have the main act come out and go, here I am, here's some jokes. I recommend this guy, here he is. Mm-hmm. And yeah. rather than go out cold to people still coming into yeah, the theatre. Yeah, he was sort of like, oh, who's this bloke? Yeah. yeah. So it just makes for a better show, I find, or a you know, more cohesive show and splits up the one-lineness of the whole thing. Um, as we finish, it would be good just to think, you presumably get people asking you, uh, you know, young comedians, uh, not as young as Kevin Bridges, perhaps. I remember you saying <laughs> yeah. the other day, you know, a while back that... You were backstage and discovered that you were basically the same age as his parents. Yeah. Um, although I remember the other game where, where you were backstage at a gig quite a long time ago and you met this guy who was inc- incredibly tall and thought, aren't you my kid's drama teacher? Yeah, yeah that's the, Greg Davis, yeah. Yeah. I first met uh, Greg Davis. Well, Rod Gilbert said to me, I hear you know Greg Davis. And I said, I don't think I do. He said, no, no, he's, he's your son's drama teacher. <laughs> what? Oh, Mr. Davis? So I'd already had a parents' evening with him and he didn't mention anything. He was doing open spots at the time. So, you, yeah. But then the second time I said, oh, so you do comedy. And blah, blah. So my wife's just sitting there, just out of the conversation. And we talk for 15 minutes about comedy. And not your child. Uh, and then we have the end, we go, oh, we haven't mentioned Adam. Um, uh, yeah, he's fine. He's fine. <laughs> so, uh, so very odd for my son, actually, to have. Uh, Greg Davis, not only as a drama teacher, but as a form teacher um, throughout the year. And then me at home. I mean, slightly. And then see his form teacher reprise the role on the in-betweeners with that incredible contempt that he has. (laughs) Yes. In fact, Greg has some bits in his act, or he used to, about the school that my son was at. And once at the Ballon Banana, I was on after him. And he was saying, he was saying about this school, and then he said, "I've suddenly realised that one of the parents is in the room." <laughs> it was me he was talking about. It's like very odd, but yeah, no, Greg's gone on 
It, well, he's done all right, hasn't he? Yeah. He's been a big success in yes. every sense. Yeah, yes, yeah, yes. Yeah. But in terms, so when other comedians or writers or whoever just say, you know, what do I do? Yeah. You know, what, what, what do you normally tell them? This will hopefully save you a bit of time to say, well, go and listen to the Sitcom Geeks podcast and I'll... And, you know. Yes, well, yeah. um, it, it depends a little about what stage they're at in terms of whether they've yeah. done something before. But yeah. my biggest headline is do something. Yeah. You know, that we've all been part of talking shops that, you know, say this is good and that's bad and if I did this, I would do it this way. Do something because there's something about doing stuff that suddenly makes you realise, A, how difficult it is, makes you appreciate other stuff and also if you're a moving object you can invite people to see you you're going somewhere you're not just talking about it so mm. you get up at school you get up at college you get up at church you get up in community you get on a stage you do an open spot so do something podcast whatever it is mm. um yeah so, i mean any, any old idiot yeah, can do I mean, a podcast yeah, yeah, well there are more not. things that you can do now yeah, there than, are. than there when are. we started yeah, out stuff, yeah, yeah. yeah um and then i mean jimmy carr was always notoriously focused in yeah. terms of right i'm going to do this edinburgh and this is what i want out of it yeah and i think kids are now better at treating it more like a business rather than a sort of yeah. mysterious force that falls upon yeah. them or an escape from the rat race yeah 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 i mean you, you have to there are less gigs now i'm an expert on getting into comedy in the 90s which right. is no use to anyone now yeah. <laughs> so i'm slightly out of uh, the field in terms of that but i think doing something is the, the important thing because you may not end up doing what that but at least it will lead you to something else um and what you want to do is do it long enough I mean, it's the old thing, isn't it, of doing 10,000 hours or whatever it is. Mm. I was writing a gag about that the other day. People say you need 10,000 hours to master something, but not the 100 metres, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> Too slow. Anyway. Um, There's also a joke about 10,000 hours about writing jokes and how long it took me to write the joke about 10,000 hours. <laughs> right, yes. There's so some yeah. joke that yeah. folds in on itself yes, at some I'm point. Sure. Yes, yeah. yes. Mm. Um, you want some kind of plan where, you, whether it's Edinburgh or not, that you're, you're building up to something. Mm. So that you're you're not just doing the same thing going round and round because I think uh, open mic venues have changed as well in terms of I think it's harder to play and I don't the places require you to bring people and pay mm. them to buy drinks. It's, it's but then having said that you can do stand up at university now effectively. Yeah, parts of drama is at Kent and Southampton and somewhere else. You know you can do that and people have successfully qualified and gone on to stuff. My support out this year is Tom Horton, who did it at Kent under Ollie Double, if you oh, remember. Right. Yeah, yeah. You know, and he's doing very well. So right. it's not to be knocked mm. in one sense, but um, it's all about doing enough time on stage, really. Yeah. Ultimately, at the end of the day, any good course will give you time on stage. That's the point. Yeah. Good to know that you are helping him replay his student student debt <laughs> yes. in stand-up well, comedy. I, I wouldn't go that far. No, no, no. no. Yes, that's right. Yeah. You have to do a lot of comedy to, yes. to do yeah. that. Yeah. To tour for the next 10 years. Yeah. Brilliant. Um, Milton, thanks so much for uh, speaking with us. And Thank you very much. Thank you. My and pleasure. Thank you for listening. You can join us on Patreon as usual. And Patreon subscribers have already heard this interview because it's been made available to Patreon subscribers uh, virtually the moment we, we recorded it. So um, so there's that. And there's loads of other stuff on Patreon as well. Like you can uh, listen to um, Milton, not Milton and I, Dave and I are writing a sitcom uh, called, uh, which is currently called Soup to Nuts where we're literally creating a sitcom from scratch and we're just talking you through the whole process and loads of other goodies as well there's the first 10 pages challenge and all those sorts of things go and look on Patreon but for now um, thanks Dave thank you James and speak to you next time bye bye